0: How many Klingons does it take to change a light bulb? How many? None. Klingons aren't afraid of the dark. Shut up, Wesley. Welcome to the Final Frontier, or TFF for short. I'm Adam Mullen. And I'm Bill Allen. And today we'll be talking with Jeff Lincoln about his audio drama. Star Trek Lost Universe. Say hi, Jeff.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: So, our weekly roundup of news. Uh, What do we got, guys?
2: Well, the only thing uh, I can think of is uh, Discovery getting picked up for a second season.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you feel about that, Jeff?
1: Um, Pretty excited, seeing as Discovery is only, what, halfway through its run and it's already getting a second season. It just goes to show how successful the show has been on a mobile platform versus mm-hmm. being on regular cable TV.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, um, what was it, last week's episode, a lot of users had uh, problems with the streaming service because apparently there were more people trying to watch the episode than they had anticipated, and it caused some bandwidth issues for CBS. (laughs) So when you've put all your marbles in one basket, and the basket isn't even big enough because you've got even more marbles coming in, that's a pretty good sign that your streaming service is on the right track. Mm
1: -hmm. You usually don't see those types of problems unless you're in the gaming world. Like uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, when that first launched... That was flooded with people trying to get on, and they had connection issues mm-hmm. left and right.
2: Oh, yeah. So uh, it looks like Star Trek's keeping up with the times and has become a force to be reckoned with.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, yes, that was a Star Wars pun since you mentioned <laughs> the Old Republic.
0: <laughs> so how about we move on to our, our question of the week, our trivia. Uh, now I've got to pull up my question. All right, you guys ready? Go ahead. All right, so this is titled Riker's Lady. So, what was the name of the hologram that the Bynars made for Riker? Was it A, Ruby, B, Minuet, C, Maggie O'Halloran, or D, Lola? So don't don't answer right away. Uh, we'll we'll come back to this uh, at the end. So just, you know, think about it. All right, oh, so ready. Into, uh, into the interview. Yes, let's let's
2: get into the interview because
0: okay, we got a lot of questions. Yeah. Oh boy. All right.
2: Uh, all right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, or sir, if there's only one of you listening, um, <laughs> joining us today, we have Jeff Lincoln, who's done a couple of uh, audio dramas available on the internet. Uh, the big one, of course, that we would be talking about would be Star Trek: Lost Universe. Say hello
0: to the audience, Jeff.
1: How's it going, everybody?
0: So, I have some preliminary questions for you, Jeff. Shoot. So, my first one is, when did you
1: first get into Star Trek? When did I first get into Star Trek? Well, I like to say I came out of the womb liking Star Trek, like my (laughs) father before me. Um. When I say that, I literally mean that when my f- grandmother was pregnant with my father, they would watch Star Trek um, when it was first on, and he would literally kick to the theme song. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it sounds unbelievable, but I promise you it's 100% true. Um, I can remember as far back being... Five years old, watching Star Trek The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek The Search for Spock with my father. Um, And I've just been a Star Trek fan ever since.
0: Very nice. So, second question.
1: What is your favorite episode? Uh, Now, see, when you say that, I have to give a twofold answer because I have two favorite episodes. Okay. Um, The first being the two-parter from Star Trek Voyager Year of Hell. Uh-huh. Excellent that was, choice. That was the first two-parter that I absolutely fell in love with. And my second favorite, um, number one favorite, because they're tied for first place, is Trials and Tribulations.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. That, that's a fan favorite. I
1: mean, you, you really can't blame people for that. It's It's funny, it's adventurous, and... We get to see, you know, the first attempt at green screen merging of the old with the new, and they did it right. It mm-hmm. could have gone so many wrong directions, but they pulled it off.
0: Yeah, that's one of my, my favorites.
2: Jeff, tell us about Lost Universe. Brief synopsis and all that.
1: Well, Lost Universe originally came to me after reading a fan fiction that, oh, I can't even remember the title of it, because, you know, shout-outs to whoever wrote it. It was, an, it was a decent fan fiction about um, an alternate universe where the Federation never existed, where I think it was uh, either the Cardassians or the Klingons um, invaded prior to the Vulcans, um, arriving for Zephram Cochran's first warp flight, and it took place in, like, the 23rd century, the TMP era, and it was all about a resistance movement of trying to fight for a better day and a better life. And it got me thinking about, you know, we see a ton of the Klingons, we see a ton of the Cardassians and all the other, you know, strange species that, you know, pop up during the Star Trek universe, but we surprisingly never got much in the wind of the Romulans. I mean, we got word in the the original series that there was a war with them with primitive nuclear weapons, um, and then the little bits in Enterprise with the early holographic cloaking device type deal, and the, what was it, the telepathy thing with the Andorians, and then in TNG, was just, they were kind of at least to me they were the the equivalent of the Soviets, you know, spies, sneaky. And then all of a sudden that role shifted to the Cardassians with the Obsidian Order. So I was thinking, you know, of a world where instead of you know the Klingons to the Romulans take uh, the Klingons of the Cardassians taking over, it was the Romulans, and the Romulans, we all know, were heavily based off of the Roman Empire to begin with. I mean, you had the gods Romulus and Remus uh, in Roman mythology, and then we got Romulus and Remus as the home worlds of the Romulan Empire. And I restructured Lost Universe's Romulans to be more like them, in the sense that uh, they were the ultimate evil, you know, if we, you know, look at their ethics kind of deal, where... They took slaves to create a create an empire, they were ruthless, and they were trying to expand. And that universe followed canon up to the point where um, the Romulan War started, and it got reversed, where the Federation originally won, this time the Romulans won. And from there, I tried to think of a setting, where would it make sense the most, and TNG era made the sense, so I started Lost Universe in the Prime Universe, and then this anomaly catches up to them and sucks them into this alternate universe. And their whole goal is to rebuild the Federation by removing the Romulan, influ- Romulan influence from those planets that want to be part of it.
2: Very cool. Now I listened to um, episodes zero, one, two, and three. Are those all the episodes you have so far?
1: So far, yes. It was originally intended to be a four-part miniseries, it, not including Episode Zero. Episode Zero was just kind of like the trial run, just to see if I could, you know, make the music and the sound effects and the voices fit. And it did. And I was excited and, you know, ready to go with, you know, a four-part series. Because at the time, um, when I started it, the guidelines hadn't come out. And then the guidelines came out, and there was nothing mentioning audio. So I took it as a sign to stop production. So I did, and I left it with a cliffhanger for episode three. And I, once I figured out, that oh, this doesn't apply to audio, I got about halfway through with editing episode four. And then a little bit of a personal tragedy struck in which my muse, my ex-fiancee, decided to end our relationship. And at that point, I lost all drive to actually finish Lost Universe.
2: Well, you can always make her one of the evil Romulans that needs to be personally beaten on by the captain of the Federation starship. (laughs) It's cathartic. It's not, it's not a, it's a catharsis thing. Everybody needs to do something weird to deal with their ex, you know.
1: This is true. Um, I'm not saying anything bad about her or anything. I'm just saying, you know, that she was my muse at the time, and when she left, she took the inspiration with her. I would never try to say anything bad other than that about my ex-fiancé. Well,
2: that's, that's very, that's very decent of you, and... Good, good for you, and my condolences or congratulations, I guess. If I wanted to make a ball and chain joke, hey, you dodged a bullet. Good for you. <laughs> and uh, pretend I didn't make that joke. I hear my wife nearby. Shh, shh.
1: <laughs> so, if we hear screaming within the next five minutes, we know where it came from.
2: Yes. Thank you, honey. I love you. Love you. <laughs> Uh anyway, um so you're 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 currently editing the the fourth episode now, you said?
1: Uh episode 4 is about halfway edited. Um, I th- I needed to rebuild my sound effects library um after I lost the folder due to file corruption or some other silly thing that, you know, technology likes to do. Yeah. It's an early sign that if we ever develop Holodex, they will end up being like the ones on TNG, never be able to fix right. (laughs) But um, once I rebuild the sound effects library, I would like to at least finish up episode four. But that also means I need to get back to voice acting, because I voice one of the characters in the show. Yes,
2: I wanted to ask you about that. Um... It was uh, Shran. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Now, my my question is, uh, there there's an odd kind of uh, echo effect with your character. Is that something like an intentional special effect you inserted? Or ex- sometimes I have issues with my equipment. You know, technology loves us. And it will put a weird kind of reverb on things I say that I don't intend to have a reverb. It's, was it an accident that you just used and went with, or is it on purpose?
1: A little bit of both. Um when I first started recording for the character, the headset that I was using was a wireless um gaming headset. Not one of the ones that actually, you know, have the three point five millimeter jack that you plug into your computer so it has the two prongs, speaker, headphone. And when I was recording on that, um audacity the program that i used to record on added a weird reverb effect to it and i tried to edit it out and post and it just did not work and then i sat there and i was listening to the lines after i added the music and the sound effect the uh, sound effects because i was set, set ready to go out and buy a new headset at that point and i was like you know it kind of works And I went out and bought the new headset, and I re-recorded the lines, and with the clearer clarity, I just could not stand the sound of my own voice. (laughs) It's one of those things, like, you know, if you're an artist, you can't stand to look at your own work because you're kind of going to constantly go back and try to fix it and perfect it. That was the way I was feeling about the clearer quality of my voice. I was like... Uh, I, I, nails on a chalkboard. So I went back and I added the reverb intentionally, and added a bit more of a metallic tone to it. And it came, and I came up with the idea that the character Shran was injured when he was a when he was a kid, and he lost the ability to speak. So he now has a technological vocal cord in his throat. So it would kind of like sound. More like robotic than you would a normal voice, kind of like uh, those that smoke too much. They have that device that allows them to speak still, but it's not their natural voice.
2: Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, Adam and I went through that uh, last week, actually, when we were testing out uh, software to record these podcasts with. Remember that, Adam?
0: Oh, yeah, that was fun. (laughs) I spent half my day going, "What, what, what is wrong with this?
1: Give it the Han Solo treatment. Smack it around a little bit. Maybe it'll work.
2: Yeah. Yeah, my computer's held together with duct tape and a lot of prayer, so I don't know if smacking it's (laughs) going to work. Give
1: give it a gentle love tap.
0: (laughs) How long did it take you to produce one episode? From the writing of it to the finishing, you know, the production on it.
1: It was oddly different every single time because sometimes as a writer you get bursts of energy and inspiration, so you just want to sit there and type it out as fast as you can. Yeah. Uh, Episode zero took me about all of five minutes to write.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had an issue with episode zero. I mean, man, as a prequel teaser, it's like you just like spoiled the big season finale. Man, they're captured.
1: it, that was that's not how I planned on ending the series off because once the mini series ended, I wanted to actually do a full blown six series. Uh, I'm sorry, six season series with like twenty episodes apiece. Wow! And that was the midpoint.
2: Now, when you when you record this, are you in a in a studio and your actors are right there with you, or is it uh, kind of like this interview where everybody's in their own space and you do it all over the internet?
1: Um I'm too poor for a studio. <laughs> well, I mean it, it it's a basement,
2: but we call it different things, you know. We're all geeks, we hang out in the basement except for me cuz I can't afford one. I I um, my bedroom. <laughs> but, you, but you call it, you call it a, a man cave, you call it a command center. You don't call it a basement.
1: <laughs> yes. Um so all of the cast um were based in different parts of the world. I even think uh, we had uh, someone from Australia. Yeah, so I had a cast member that was from Australia as well.
2: So when you go into a full six season swing, how hard is it going to be to get the band back together?
1: Um, I haven't even thought about that. It, it's kind of daunting because, as I, you know, as I said earlier, the muse kind of walked away, and trying to find that inspirational spark once again. But with Discovery, I'm finding you can do pretty much anything. Uh, I, I plan on going back and finishing it up because there is a calling for it, and I know this because there's one guy on our Facebook page that whenever we post an update um, for any of the productions that are involved with the group that's that ho- hosts... Star Trek Lost Universe. He's always posting on there. When's the next episode? When's the next episode? When's the next episode? Like clockwork. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's nice to see that there is a drive to see Lost Universe continued, and it kind of it gives me a little bit of a boost, and and mm-hmm. and I get to and I get to sit there and think, hey, maybe my writing does absolutely stink.
2: This is the first Star Trek audio drama I've listened to, and I got to say I enjoyed it.
1: Oh, so- Lost Universe was your first.
2: That was my first audio, yeah.
1: Oh, no. Now I'm all red in the face. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no. Well, okay, it's
2: my first Star Trek audio drama, and and now I'm going to have to join that guy constantly bugging you. When's the next episode? When's the next episode?
1: (laughs) Well, um, just to give a a small shout-out, that uh, was a secondary inspiration for Star Trek Lost Universe. Star Trek Outpost from Giant Gnome Productions by Mm -hmm. Tony Raymond and Daniel McIntosh. They're 76 episodes long, about 45 to an hour apiece. Beautiful arrangement of music and sound effects and their storylines that they do. Amazing. You definitely need to check them out. I I, I give them 50% of the inspiration for Lost Universe.
0: Do you have any other Star Trek fan productions in the works or just projects that are Star Trek related?
1: Well, um, yeah, as well as uh, doing audio editing and voice acting, I went to college for 3D modeling and animation. And if anybody's been on YouTube in the last, I think, two-ish years, they may have run into the StarCon Uh, video that they put together for their introduction for their convention. And it was just a huge compilation of ships from different sci-fi universes coming in and fighting over this space anomaly thing that I think had time properties. And I was like, you know, that's kind of cool. So I wanted to do my own little Star Trek slash insert title uh, space battle thing. Uh, so that that's another Star Trek project that I've been working on, but that's more or less you know free time when I'm not working, kind of deal.
0: I have here the uh, Treksphere website, and I see that you uh, you guest authored a, uh, a a thing about um, Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. Um, oh. And so my understanding is that you're rec- recreating the game.
1: Uh, well, recreating the levels from the game. I okay. I, 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 don't have the, the technical know-how to actually program the different things that happen in the game, nor do I have the artistic ability to make the human form. Um, inanimate objects are fine. Humans, uh, they, tend <laughs> to, they tend to come out looking like the goo guy on the Orville.
0: <laughs> are these playable levels?
1: Um, well, once I sit down and extract the levels into an in in installer file, you'd be able to actually go around and, you know, walk around, at least, and look at the different things that I've done on there, mm-hmm. but anything further than that, unfortunately not.
0: Because uh, I, I love Elite Force, and I used to play the um, the multiplayer aspect. Never I never got to play it online, uh, but... I would just play it against the the computers, and I would just do that for hours upon hours uh, and it it was so much fun and i I was really sad that it you know it doesn't work on my computer anymore. Thanks Windows ten and uh, you know if if you could do that, recreate the multiplayer stuff, um, I think a lot of people would would thank you for it.
1: Well, um, ironically enough, there's uh, copies out there that do work for Windows 10. You just got to do a little bit of digging. um, Because there was a group of guys that I used to hang out with on Elite Force that we didn't run around doing Capture the Flag or Team Deathmatch. It was the mod RPGX, where it turned the multiplayer aspect into a role-playing game. And they got permission from Ravensoft... Or Activision, or whoever currently owns the rights to Elite Force—I don't know which—and they have a standalone installer that installs both Hollow Match, is what they called it. They didn't call it multiplayer. They didn't call it multiplay. Yeah. Or it, it was Hollow Match. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to match it with Star Trek, and it comes with a standalone installer that installs Hollow Match and RPGX 2.0 at the same time. Hmm. So if you wanted to you wanted to do that, you could definitely get the multiplayer aspect of the old Elite Force in working on your Windows 10 computer.
0: Okay, I'm going to have to look that
1: up here. I believe, to... I believe their website's called The Last Outpost. Okay. I know of three different productions now that use that. The Lost <laughs> Universe, the, Lo- the, the Lost Outpost, and Lost Frontier by um, Eric Busby. I guess the word lost is constantly being used. I guess that show might have come into play somewhere. <laughs> so a
0: couple of years ago, I I was I had this idea uh, to create, like, a, an audio series. And it was – I was going to call it um, – oh, oh, boy, I just forgot what I was going to call it. But it was – oh, yeah, it was going to be, <laughs> it, it was gonna be um, like, Outpost Frontier. And then I typed it in, and that's when I came across – um, you know, the other audio productions, I went, Oh, well, I, I guess I can't use this name. And then I kind of just didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, but it's, it's still a possibility in my head. Um, first I have to finish a call the unity first. I have to get, even get that started. Um, but, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> definitely looking forward to that coming out. It sounded like a good prospect because you guys have really talked about it on the last episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, episode one's being edited together right now. Um, I'm hoping to have a teaser uh, for, like, the first scene out, um, and then I'm currently, I just, yesterday I was writing up um, kind of like a prologue type of episode, where it just be really simple, like, stories for a couple of the characters, just for background stuff, because um, I was bored. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which took me five minutes to do. So I totally understand what you said, you know, writing your your episode zero uh, in five minutes. I totally get it.
1: Yep. Uh, when it came to episode one, that took me about two and a half weeks. And then two was about a day, um, just because where I worked at the time, it was near the end of our project. And I literally was at work for eight hours twiddling my thumbs so I was like, "This will not do." So I jumped on Google Drive and started typing while I was at work. <laughs> and um, episode four—I'm sorry—wow, I immediately skipped skipped over three. Definitely need that coffee. Um, three took me about three days, to, you know, for the writing process at least. And then episode four was like a day and a half. As I said, you get those you get those bursts of. Yeah burst of energy where you just don't want to stop writing. It's like this is this is awesome. I got to keep writing. Got to go. Oh, here's another idea. I got to keep writing. Uh-huh. And then, the editing process was about a month for each episode.
0: Okay. All
1: right. Just um, it, well, mostly because the voice actors, you know, and, and actresses, because uh, if you didn't notice, I tried to put a more female-dominated cast. Mm-hmm. Um. The voice actresses and the voice actors, they lived in different time zones, different countries in some points. So I would give them, you know, a a decent amount of time for a window to record their their stuff. Because you don't want to, you know, for a free production, you don't want to crunch down too hard on deadlines. Yeah. Um, Because we all have stuff that goes on in our personal lives, especially when you're doing this for fun. And you sit down to record one day, and then all of a sudden you hear tires screeching, and somebody's crashed into your car in your park in your driveway. Um, <laughs> Has that happened I have, to you? <laughs> I've witnessed it happen before. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> just,
2: sounded a little too specific for a random example.
1: <laughs> no, I've witnessed that happen before. When I tried to sit down, and um, I was at a friend's house, and out of nowhere, this guy just. Lost control of his car. We heard screeching tires. The next thing we hear is crash, and we're like, "That sounded too close to be down the road." Looked out the window, and the guy had crashed right in the back of his car. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, but it's just an extreme example of things happen, and you obviously need to make you know an exception for that. So I give people I gave people about a month to turn in their lines, just in case something would happen. You know, bills go crazy. You know. God forbid, you know, something crazy like that would happen. So each mo- each one, I would assemble, like, the sound effects and the music, and as I would get lines in, I would put them in the right positions. And then eventually I'd have a whole episode, and then I'd go back and do a second round of edits where I would fit the sound effects even closer to where they're supposed to be, as well as the music.
0: Yeah, I'm having someone else do the editing for me, but if I have to do it, yeah. That that's good to know. I'll probably have to ask you if, for advice.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's different for everybody with, you know, free their, their amount of free time and how familiar they are with their own program, and the sound effects library that they have. I mean, Trek mm-hmm. Core they've got sound effects, you know, yep. out the wazoo when it comes to Star Trek sound effects. <laughs> oh, so
0: there's a dog barking.
1: That would be mine.
0: Did you name it Porthos? No, no, no.
2: (laughs) My dog is named, that one was uh, Avery. Uh, Avery Brooks, right? Actually, no, it was just Avery. None of my animals are named after uh, Star Trek characters, but by a happy coincidence, they all come close.
0: I think this is actually something we discussed last episode, but I actually edited it out, I think. I took it out, because um, we were just kind of rambling on and on and on. So I'm glad, Bill, I'm glad that you, you brought that, that that up. Thank you. Yeah,
2: no problem. Yeah, we, we've got to, like, have a save file of uh, blooper reel stuff, all the stuff we <laughs> don't use but would like to put someday. And then just release an episode that's nothing but random <laughs> random bits. and So... Just so you could be a part of that, Jeff, give us something completely random right now. A um, fact, a personal fact, anything that would make the blooper real.
1: Being unemployed for five months and watching Voyager three times over is pretty sad.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> I, watched, uh, I watched all of Stargate uh, in
1: two weeks one summer back in 2009. Yeah, I watched the entire series of Voyager three times over in a five-month period. I I don't know why, I just decided to do it. <laughs> hey, you chose well,
0: you know. At least you were watching Star Trek.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could have chosen to watch TNG, DS9, and Voyager, but no, I just wanted to see Voyager three times over. Voyager definitely has to be my favorite series, I know I'm probably going to get crucified for that later on, (laughs) because we all know the popular vote when it comes to favorite Star Trek series, Mm -hmm. TNG, DS9 are the best, Voyager Mm. was, Enterprise Enterprises, (laughs) go away, dig out the claws, (laughs) Yeah, and then the TOS, everybody loves TOS.
2: Yeah, everybody loves it, but I don't think everybody's seen it. That's the weird thing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I, I, I got into a conversation with a classmate while I was still in college. Oh, I love the original series. I'm like, the original series? Or the Chris Pine original series? Oh, the one with Chris Pine? I'm like, get out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's not the original series, guy.
2: <laughs> it, it's still. I mean, it says, I, I like it. I, this is going to get me. See, I'm taking the heat off of you. I
1: liked the new stuff. Oh, I did, I, did, too. I did, too. It's just it didn't sit well with me that he said that the original series was Chris Pines. So I'm like, that's yeah. not the original series, guy. Did <laughs> you smack series, him? The original series came out in the 60s. <laughs> did, have... I, did I smack him? No, I yeah. bulk and nerve-pitched him. Shut up, Wesley. It was, it was one of the most frustrating Star Trek conversations I ever had in my life, I will say that much.
2: I know you've talked a little bit about some of the issues you face. What do you think was the most challenging aspect to producing Lost Universe?
1: Oh, that's a two-part one. Recording my own voice, that's for sure, because I'm i am by no means a professional voice actor, and when you're recording your own voice for a character that you've written, like I said earlier with the artist comment, you want to go back and make sure it's perfect. So I re-record my lines about, 20, 25 times a piece, and it would just slow down the production so bad. That was something I needed to get over. And the hardest part for me, like the all-time hardest part, was the music. Just using the track music that had been created and trying to find royalty-free music, that way I don't get nailed for copyright. Thank you, YouTube. That was the hardest part, finding royalty-free and using what was available and putting it in the right... Position, moment, if that makes sense, to actually make the story flow better and not sound cheesy.
0: Well, I'll I'll just advertise myself. If you need music, I I happen to be a composer. I write all my own music for my stuff.
1: We'll talk about pay rates later.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. When I was watching YouTube, I noticed that when you went through the uh, opening credits, had a nice little... uh, opening credits video done with the flybys of the ship going past planets and whatnot, uh, which was a nice touch, by the way. It was really good for, you know, something to fill the void while you're watching YouTube to listen to something. You you said you were into 3D rendering. Did you do that yourself, or did you get somebody to do that?
1: Um, The animation I did all myself, um, like the – and the background stuff that you see, like the planets and that kind of thing, I 3D modeled those myself the uh nebula class that i picked for you know to be the star of the sh- you know for the ship role uh i found that um on trek meshes and modified a few things on there to fit the story of lost universe the original name on it was the uh i think the uss sutherland which i believe was uh, shown in an episode of tng yeah. i think that was the one that data took command of at one point wasn't it
0: i think it was yeah um yeah,
1: yeah. When they were trying to use that, uh, what, that tachyon grid to find, like, cloaked Romulan ships or something like that? I think it, yeah, I think that's what it was, yeah. And that was the the name in the registry on the ship, so I had to change that from USS Sutherland, NCC whatever, because I don't remember the na- the, le- the numbers, to USS Jamestown, and, wow, I feel like a heathen because I don't even remember my own registry code for my own <laughs> ship. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I ended up taking those and doing a little intro thing. And that was, ironically, released before episode zero. So what other fan productions have you been a part of? Um, at this time, I've been a part of three, not including my own. Um, oh, I'm going to work backwards from most recent to the oldest, um, because I want to save the best for last. Um... The most recent one that I was in was Star Trek Outpost. And I played the character, don't laugh too hard, John Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) The whole point behind it was to spoof off of Into Darkness' John Harrison section 31. I don't want to give too much away about the plot line with that, but I was in one episode. It it was a lot of fun. But that that was um, my most recent role. The role I had before that was in um, a Star Wars production by uh, Lion's Mouth Entertainment and and, uh, Joe Harrison. um, And I played a stormtrooper in that one. And it was a small little role, you know, less than five minutes, but it was fun. I, I... I can't say voice acting isn't fun. it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: There uh, are no small roles. there's only short stormtroopers
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong um, and then the role role slash roles I'm most proud of and was my introduction into the world of voice acting was getting to play five different characters um, in a series called Sea of Stars, A Voyage of the Space Cruiser Argo. And that fan production was based off of a Japanese anime that's known as Space Battleship Yamato. And in America, it's known as Star Blazers. And other than Star Trek, that is my passion. Uh, Space Battleship Yamato and Star Trek are on the same level. And I heard about this fan production being made, and I was like, I have to audition for this, and when I auditioned, I auditioned for a couple different roles um, that were major characters, and the guy messaged me back saying, okay, I've already filled this, this, and this character, but I'd like to offer you five different roles. Three of them were minor extras, and two of them, ironically, were... Characters that were used in the original show. So I got to voice two of my favorite characters in this fan production. Awesome. really cool. Yep. Uh, and what was even more cool about that one is that the voice actress for the only... One of the only female characters in the show, I, you'd have to watch it to understand that the male-to-female ratio is pronounced heavily. And in every episode, they only had one woman. The rest of it was all guys. And she came back to reprise her role in a fan production, kind of like how Phase Two and continues got the, the the classic Trek actors to come in and reprise their roles. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. So huh. I got to act alongside her, and I I was beyond amazed at it was. It was a, a absolute blast.
2: Give me a sec. Standby. Technical difficulties. Hello?
1: Please make a message after the
2: time. Hello. Yeah, that would be one of those telemarketer calls.
1: Ugh, evil! Evil! Beat it with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> I get those calls all the time on my cell phone. It's usually for people we want to sell you call, uh, a packet so we can. Reduce your college payments to as little as none.
2: Oh, yeah. It's a, hi, this is Janice. I'm calling to talk to you about solar panels. Hi, this is Janice. I'm calling to talk to you about refinancing your student loan. Hi, this is Janice. I'm calling to talk to you about term life insurance. Janice, get another job. Come on. (laughs) And if you ever like listen past a little bit, Janice is selling different things. It's not always the same. It, it's
1: crazy. The thing that the thing that drives me nuts is that uh, we'll we'll we want to eliminate your student debt. You have to pay us fifty dollars for a preliminary, and then five dollars for a folder, and then another fifteen hundred just to get rid of your debt. Like, yeah.
0: sounds legit.
2: Do I look yeah. like a bank? Yeah. Oh, my my favorite of the ones is, like, we have detected an issue on your Windows computer. There's a hacking program that's – oh, no, no, that's my hacking program. Yeah, I'm currently trying to get into the DOD so I can take over the world. (laughs) Is an audio drama easier to make for a fan film since you don't have to worry about sets or costumes, or is it uh, more challenging since you're only using sound to try to tell
1: your story? See, honestly, I put them on the same pedestal. I don't. I, each one has its own pros and cons and its own challenges to overcome. Um, with live action, you, you got to worry about building sets and soundstage and making sure you don't have echo, or unless you want intentional echo. And then, you know, if you <coughs> excuse me, if you're filming filming in like a warehouse. You got know, to worry about the weather because you know rain hitting the roof of a warehouse it echoes throughout the building. There, uh, there are there. Uh, sorry, uh, slow down. <laughs> there are challenges to overcome. Where is in audio? You've got to worry about you know people turning in their lines, turning them in on time, or turning them in at all. Um, then there's worrying about whether or not your computer will shut down because of weather, remembering to save often, it it, it can be a challenge either way you go. Um, I've never actually worked on a live action, but I've seen, you know, the process that's involved. I can only speak for audio and you you heard my timetable for just the first three, well, technically four episodes if you want Mm -hmm. to count through. Um, it can it can be a challenge, and then you look at a production like continues, and they have an episode released what once every three months ish.
2: Yeah, something like that.
1: They they have got to go through their own editing process, and not to mention free time. And those guys are professional voice actors and actresses in the, as their day job, so they gotta work around that. Um. Whereas, you know, most people doing fan productions for audio, they just got to worry about, you know, their day jobs as well. And most people, you know, work, you know, retail or cab driving or pizza delivery. So I I honestly put them on the same level of difficulty.
2: Well, that brings us to the end of the official questions, I think, unless you've got anything else you really want to know, Adam. no. Uh then let's uh let's see if he remembers and can solve the trivia question of the week.
0: So let's see here. The question was <clears throat> what was the name of the hologram that the Binars made for Riker? Was it Ruby, Minuet, Maggie O'Halloran or Lola? Minuet. What do you say, Bill? Oh minuet. Yeah, you're both right. Yeah, was that that was an easy question, huh? It was.
1: Yeah. At first, honestly, at first I was stumped about that one. Then I was like, as soon as I heard the word minuet, I can remember (laughs) the first time seeing that episode and thinking, that is a very, very pretty name. The rest of those names just sounded so generic. (laughs) Now, wait a minute.
2: Um, Maggie O'Halloran, that was one of the choices, right? Yeah. Wasn't that one of the holograms from uh, Voyager's uh, New Haven,
0: Sweet (laughs) Haven, whatever it was? Oh, it was! Yep. She's the one that gets turned into a cow.
1: Yes! I was going to say she got turned into some kind of animal. Oh, yeah. man.
0: And then, uh, and Ruby's from First Contact, from the, the holodeck simulation of Dixon Hill.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah!
0: She says, uh, lose the broad or something like that to Picard.
1: Watch okay. your caboose and yeah. drop
0: the broad. Yeah. And then, uh, Lola is, um, when uh, I think it's Vic makes a simulation for Odo, uh, you know, for, you know, based on Kira. And so it looks like Kira, but it's, it's not her. It's Lola something or another. Um, hopefully I got that right because I, I made sure all these answers or choices were based on real things. So I don't make up my stuff. You know, I, I use actual question or, I'm sorry, real answers from from Star Trek. So every single one of these is, is from something.
2: It's a holographic character. That's yeah. very clever. Add a layer of complexity to the – see, now you're just messing with this man.
1: <laughs> it works,
0: though. Yeah. So can you tell me what episode uh, that we see her in?
2: Oh, no. To... Yes, uh, ones and zeros. Yes. Yeah. 11111. One, one. I, I don't remember so the exact – I'm I... going to misspell this. It's 1011011001. Zero, one, one, zero, one, one, zero, zero, one.
0: Yeah, you're close. I, when I typed this in from memory, I was one, I missed one zero. It's one, one, zero, zero, one, zero, zero, one.
1: I wonder what that actually spells out in binary. Um,
0: you know, I'm going to look it up right
1: now. Because uh, so. the whole point of it, you know, they're the binars. they work on computers. What does that code actually come up to?
0: hmm Let's see here. What does memory
1: alpha say? Everybody uses memory alpha. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. So it says it corresponds to the combined names of each pair of binars who come aboard the Enterprise. One one with 00, zero and 10 zero with zero, 01. Um, additionally, the, not, the name of each binar represents one of the four possible bit pairs. Okay. I, I guess that kind of tells us, but not really.
1: It um, doesn't spell out anything. It's their no. name.
0: Yeah, it's their names. So, so that comes from uh, Season 1, Episode 15. Uh, Riker's experimenting with different holograms to keep himself, you know, company in the holodeck. Uh, and he, f- he finally settles on Minuet. So then the bonus question, you ready? Yep, go ahead. All right, bonus question is, how many times do we see Minuet in TNG?
2: I'm going to go with twice. That yeah. sounds
1: about right, two times, yeah.
2: But I might be missing one.
0: I think people would argue that you're right, but technically it's three times. So we see her in Shades of Grey, but it's only archive footage. And then we see her in Future Imperfect as Min Riker. So that's when, um, you know, Riker um, is in that, that future that he wakes up in because he's forgotten, like, the past so many years. Yeah, and, uh, like he was in
1: a coma or something like that for – I don't
0: know. I, oh, no, he no, had an worm. Yeah, it's the little alien boy or whatever that makes yeah. him – see all that so and she's his wife but she's dead
2: yeah i remembered the uh, future imperfect one it was the the shades of gray i wasn't sure if it was in there or not so and i know most people don't like to think about that episode
0: <laughs> which which one
2: shades, uh, shades of gray the clip show
0: yeah Star Trek that's the one
2: where show. riker is fighting an infection so you get a riker clip show and I think it oh, wow. probably would have rated higher on people's favorite scale if it hadn't been Beardless Riker. <laughs> <laughs> a Beardless Riker clip show, nobody wants to see. Riker with the beard, they could probably do a clip show like that, and people would love it.
0: Bill, did you want to do your rapid-fire questions? Yeah,
2: we're going to do the lightning round. Um, it's it's going to be uh, just real quick, off the top of your head, whatever comes to you, that's what you blurt out. Yeah. Um, You've already done a couple of the usual ones. You told us what your favorite series is. You told us what your favorite episodes are. But uh, we've still got some questions to do. So, Jeff, are you ready?
1: Fire away.
2: Kirk or Picard? Cisco. Holodeck or Replicator? Holodeck. Worst episode? Oh, boy. Um... There's so many he doesn't like.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was um, DS9, uh, Worf is on his bachelor party, and Gen Z is doing the, the trials with his his, yeah. his mother-in-law. I, I didn't you like were
0: that. You are cordially, what's it called? I can't say the word and You, you are, are cordially invited.
1: invited. That's yes. it. I couldn't yeah. remember the name of the episode. I, just, I, I didn't that like episode. that. I didn't like it. I mean, I liked the wedding part of it, but I didn't like everything
2: prior. Can we hit him now? Can we hit him now? Not yet. Not yet. Now. <laughs> that's one of those. It, it, it's goofy. It's offbeat. And with the goofy episodes, people either love them or hate them. So. Them. All right. Um, because you're a Voyager fan, um, which sidekick do you prefer, Ichab or Naomi Wildman?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um Icheb.
2: All right. And because you're doing an audio drama, um, who's your com officer, Uhura or Hoshi Sato?
1: Hoshi.
2: You're evil, but yes, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I, I kid, I kid, it's like, you know, Hoshi was awesome too, but, you know, she's not Uhura.
1: No, 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 she's not, and that's why I liked her. She, was, she wasn't trying to emulate Uhura, she was her own thing.
2: Yeah, all right. Well, that that was our lightning round, as odd as it was, and you just had to throw Cisco out there. I'm surprised you didn't go Janeway, if you're going to, but...
1: The Voyager's my favorite series, but Cisco's my favorite captain.
2: I can live with that. Interestingly enough, most fans will do that. They have a favorite series, but usually their favorite captain is from some other series.
1: There's, you know, one or two things about Lost Universe that I didn't touch on because I didn't uh, want to diverge too much. But it's like some little behind-the-scenes, you know, character ideas that I had. Go for it. Um, well, uh, the character that I play, Shran, is directly related to Shran and Enterprise. Um, he's an Andorian, and he's very militaristic, although he doesn't really show it in the first three episodes. Um, you got to the end of the third episode you said correct, yeah you notice that his role suddenly changed from one thing to another yeah um, you, you played elite force so you know that uh, did you play the second one
0: yeah I didn't like it as much
1: but you you saw the controversy at the beginning of the game where this is the alpha quadrant we don't need a hazard team mm-hmm wanted to punch that guy in the face. Um, I did not like that character whatsoever. Not at all. But that was the whole idea behind having a hazard team on this ship. And it was meant to be a covert thing. Like, they're here, but they're only used in extreme emergencies. And the only other person that knew about it was the captain, who uh, is my next topic that I need to diverge into, um, who was a part of the Voyager crew. She was one of the people that you would see in the backgrounds, you know, random gold shirt A, B, or C. And she got her own command, so she was the only person that knew what the Hazard team was potentially capable of.
2: Yeah, I remember a few little hints towards that in uh, episode one where she's like, well, it's no Voyager, but it's a nice ship, I like it.
1: Yes. Um, and I, And with that, Character being mentioned Captain Kennedy, um, I wanted to have a you know a connection to the real life you know people, so she was like an offshoot or like a great grandchild of you know President Kennedy, and that was just a little bio thing that I had written up, but never got to mention
2: and of course, what's her first thing to do? We choose to go to the moon. <laughs> Not because it is easy, but because there's a Romulan defense
1: platform on the moon
2: that we must destroy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, originally, her original mission was to use um, a slipstream drive uh, to go to the Delta Quadrant to set up permanent colonization there. But something happens and Lost Universe is born. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And The Slipstream Drive itself, I know it was mentioned in track different times, but in my head as I was picturing it, the way the Slipstream Drive works is the way it did on Andromeda.
2: Ah. For the uh, Andromeda Ascendant Super Cruiser or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, the way the Nebula class that I had designed was these tiny little prongs that come out with little miniature... Nacelles on them would suck the ship into Slipstream's space, And uh, you, know, you can only do so much with uh, audio versus visual. So it was something that I never actually got to describe. But was a little note from behind the scenes like this is like Andromeda. One last thing I wanted to point out. I actually got a lot of questions from people why I did... What I did with the crew, it's a half, well, it's like three-quarter Starfleet, quarter Romulan. Because if you were paying attention, um, Commander Scott, yes, there is a relation, um, (laughs) made mention that the slipstream drive is powered by a quantum singularity core, uh, core. And who in Trek has the most experience with quantum singularities.
2: The Romulans.
1: That would be the Romulans. So you can somewhat guesstimate where that series started in the Prime Universe
0: hmm. after
1: Shinzon. Because uh, I believe in the books, and at the very end of Nemesis, Riker makes an off-shot comment about heading up a new task force to make hmm. peace with the Romulans. So the series starts a couple of years after that where there is a peace treaty and they're working together.
2: Thank you for listening, folks like, and follow us on Facebook, find us on iTunes, find us on YouTube. Special thanks to our guest host for joining us today. Jeff Lincoln, you can find his, uh, lost universe on YouTube. And is there another website you'd like to plug?
1: Um, no, just YouTube at the moment.
2: All right. Um, we will make sure to include with the comments in this video or in this audio clip, we will include links to Jeff's projects, including Star Trek Lost Universe and some of his other non-Trek-related projects, the the Battleship Yamato. And, uh, thank you. And... Good night. Yeah. We need a catchphrase. <laughs> thank you, and insert catchphrase here. Live long and prosper. No, no, no. We got to do. A, we're, we're. We're. I. I don't know. Do we want to do live long and prosper? Do we want to do our own thing? We haven't decided yet. Last week it was may the force be with you.
0: I think we're just gonna steal from different shows.
2: Yeah. Okay. So. Um,
0: What's this week's show?
2: All right. Thanks for listening. And Avengers assemble.